When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And just on news of weather, it's been reported that we are in the grips of a cold snap. Even though I think if you look out the window this morning, you will know that. But we could see periods of wintry showers, snow and ice for the rest of the week. Temperatures last night in some areas went as low as minus seven degrees Celsius, particularly areas of the west and Donegal right down to Clare. They actually had a yellow weather warning in place overnight. And met Erin a warning. It's going to remain very cold from now until until at least next Sunday. Friday is forecast to be an especially cold night. They're telling us on Friday that the ground temperatures overnight could go as low as minus 10 degrees Celsius. And the reason for it, it seems, a sudden rise in temperatures in the Arctic is bringing the possibility of this prolonged period of cold weather. The phenomenon is being closely monitored here for fear that it could spark weather that we had back in 2018. Remember the beast from the east? We had similar conditions then that led to the beast from the east. The event is known as a sudden stratospheric warming in SSW and what it does is it upsets the polar vortex and that keeps the icy weather moving in a kind of a predictable pattern around the North Pole but when the weather heats up then it upsets that polar vortex and then the normal systems that influence our, our weather here in Ireland and in Europe and much of the Northern Hemisphere that's disrupted and this cold air then is pushed down so that's why we have this cold spell at the moment and as they say set to linger for the rest of this week so stay wrapped up stay indoors the message is to stay at home so we have another reason to stay at home uh, when you look out the window and, and see how cold it is out there a very good morning to you on this Wednesday uh, welcoming you along to the show we've got John Paul taking your calls at 1850 333 103 love to hear from you you can text or WhatsApp uh, anything we're talking about on the show or anything you want to share with us this morning 0862 103 103 and it is looking like today is going to be the day that we would hear from the government that the country is going to be put back into a full national lockdown. What will that mean? It means that schools are going to remain closed and also it's looking like most construction work will be halted at least until the end of this month. Now the Cabinet today will sign off on what's been seen as the most severe COVID restrictions 
it's considered since the country was first put into lockdown in March even though I think back in March we had a very severe lockdown we the country it felt grounded to an almost halt and certainly it worked that particular lockdown worked and then of course it allowed us to open up in the summer and we seemed to be doing remarkably well and we had other countries looking to Ireland saying we were almost like the poster boys for how well to suppress a virus and we flattened the curve. Remember we were talking about flattening the curve and we certainly completely flattened it. We almost got to the stage where we were looking nearly at zero COVID in this country and then unfortunately it all went wrong. We had the second wave. We went back into another lockdown. Uh, We were suppressed it somewhat. Certainly we didn't suppress it as much as we did the first time and then of course as we all know everything opened up for Christmas and now we are in this third wave and this third wave is certainly the worst of the three waves we have had uh, to date. Yesterday's figures again more frightening figures 5 1,325 new cases and 17 deaths uh, reported yesterday and of course for us here in Cork because when we hear the figures we then I certainly hold my breath to say what's it going to be for Cork highest figures forever ever to date in Cork yesterday 767 cases here in uh, Cork Tony Hulhan, the Chief Medical Officer warning the country is experiencing a considerable surge in cases and also in hospitalisations he says we can turn this around quickly if we stick to the measures we know that the measures worked back in spring we just need to get back there get back into that mindset put those measures in place stick with it and then we can get out of this third wave now the cabinet last night this is the cabinet committee on COVID-19 they agreed to stop the majority of private construction developments as part of this attempt to halt the spread of the virus that what will that mean for workers it'll mean about 50,000 construction workers who are heading to work today they'll be downing to uh, downing tools certainly for the rest of January there it, it's looking like what they're calling essential construction developments things like social housing school bills that are underway it's looking like some of those projects will be permitted we're going to have to wait to see what the government will sign off on there's also talks that the measures that are allowing shops at the moment to offer and collect that will be gone instead businesses that are managing to operate without their front door being opened they will only be able to offer click and delivery certainly to this programme we've heard some criticism of the click and collect with some people saying businesses might as well be open they have so many people going in and out for the click and collect so obviously there's too many people moving about and so the government are saying we certainly didn't have click and collect back in the first lockdown back in March so it will just be click and deliver will be the only way the businesses will be able to operate if that gets the go ahead from the cabinet uh, today and it is certainly looking like all secondary and primary schools will close certainly for the rest of this month if not longer and then an issue we discussed yesterday on the programme was the special schools and children with special needs who attend uh, special classes it is looking like they will be able to attend uh, school they're also looking at children and disadvantaged uh, areas uh, to see how the new lockdown restrictions will affect them. Will they be allowed to remain in school? Again, we're going to have to wait and see what the Cabinet sign off on today. Leaving such students and their families, obviously feeling very nervous about all of this. Uh, It is looking like they're going to try and make sure that they're not negatively affected. Now the summer Leaving Cert exam 
that could be delayed by a few weeks if COVID continues to cause serious problems and it keeps leaving such students out of the classroom. Sources say the government were adamant though that the exams will go ahead. It won't be the predictive grades that we got last year. There certainly will be exams this year. One issue that's been looked at is they could, in by having a later date for the physical exams, they could align a later release of results and the CAO offers with the start of the college year. That was actually done. If you remember, the results were delayed by three weeks last year in 2020. And while obviously there was a little bit of inconvenience, but the higher education system seemed to work okay. So there is a system in place, you know, that it has worked before. So maybe that is something that they could look could look at. And again, we've got to wait and see what comes out from the cabinet meeting. I think they're meeting at half past 10 uh, this morning. And then travellers flying into Ireland will be required to produce a negative COVID-19 test on arrival. And I can hear already a number of the listeners cheering to that one. How many times have we had texts and commentary in from our listeners saying why are we allowing people fly into this country without at least making sure that they have a negative COVID-19 test. The new rules will require anyone flying into Ireland to produce a negative PCR test and it'll have to be done within three days before they arrive on our shores. The ban on flights and passenger ferries from Britain and also from South Africa. That's going to be extended until midnight on Friday. But it does mean that flights will resume into this country on Saturday. So anybody travelling to Ireland from Britain or South Africa, even though we don't have direct flights from South Africa, uh, so I'm assuming anybody travelling from South Africa would possibly go in to maybe either Amsterdam or into Britain and then fly over here. Anyway, they will now, from Saturday, be required to produce this negative laboratory test. They will also, by the way, be required to restrict their movements for 14 days on arrival, even with a negative uh, test and a date has not yet been set for when all travellers flying into Ireland will be required to produce negative test results on arrival. And I'm really hoping that when they have their discussion this morning, that that's something they'll look at, no matter what country somebody is travelling from. If they're coming into this country, if we're going to allow flights to continue into this country, the least we can look for is that people produce a negative test uh, result. There was a lengthy Cabinet Committee meeting yesterday and uh, obviously ministers, they discussed a variety of things to do with uh, COVID-19, but also what was discussed discussed was the variant of the strain which has originated from England. It's now been found in 25% of recent positive cases in Ireland. The new variant which emerged in England before Christmas resulted in the government banning all the flights from uh, Britain. Uh, But, you know, some would say was that closing the stable door after the horse had bolted. The Taoiseach Micheál Martin has said the new variant was one of the reasons the government was forced to reimpose uh, restrictions here in this country. So it's looking like a quarter of all cases are from the new variant, which could possibly explain why we are seeing such an increase in cases, because we know that this new, the English strain, we know that for whatever reason, it's 70 percent more chance of it passing on to other people than the original strain. 
and, and even though in this country we hadn't been dealing with the original strain that had come out from Wuhan, we had been dealing with the strain that had been picked up in Spain, wasn't it, and, and one in Italy. And while those strains were contagious, nothing like the contagious nature of the strain that mutated and has come out of uh, England. So that could explain why we're seeing such a huge, huge amount of numbers. And I know before anybody says it also had to do with the amount of socialising over Christmas and large groups of people meeting up uh, over Christmas, of course. Uh, we know that that's one of the reasons that we are continuing to see so many cases on a daily basis. But of course, the big thing and the big worry is hospitalizations and what's happening in the hospital and in our hospitals at the moment as a direct result of COVID-19. And the number of patients hospitalised has just this morning surpassed the record toll which was seen in the spring. Just before I came on air this morning, I got the latest on the numbers and there's now 921 people in our hospitals with COVID-19. The record that had been set in the spring was 881. Intensive care units are coming under growing pressure. The number of severely ill patients now stands at 76 and hospitals are having to review the potential need for surge capacity and that obviously creates additional critical care beds if they reach that limit. But then on a slightly more positive note when we're looking at the number of people testing positive, there are signs that people are cutting down on the number of contacts that they're meeting with and that obviously will have a knock-on impact in potentially slowing the rapid spread of the virus. The Chief Medical Officer Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday said that we've started to see some early progress in that the average number of contacts per positive case has been dropping in recent days. But he said we need to continue this effort to limit as much as we can our contact with other people in the days and weeks ahead. He says if we all stay home, keep to the public health advice, we can bring COVID-19 back under control, which ultimately will protect our essential services such as health and education. And most importantly, what will it do? It will save lives. So the message, once again, is plain and it's simple. It's stay at home, limit your contacts, only go out when it is absolutely necessary. The message really hasn't changed. And my apologies to all of our the ladies listening to me this morning. And a couple of people have been on to John Paul to point it out that I should have started the programme by wishing all of our female listeners a very happy Women's Little Christmas because of course today is the 6th of January and the tradition in Ireland is for the women to get together and enjoy our own Christmas while the men folks stay at home and handle all of the chores and obviously that is not happening today but let's not take away from the fact that today is Nolig Naman. So happy Nolig Naman to all of our female listeners today. 1850 Now some of your thoughts coming in on travel. John says Patricia regarding travel into this country it's a waste of time having rules, even the rules that they're going to put in place today. Nobody seems to obey them. I have an example for you. My next door neighbours went away to Lanzarote on return. What's the first thing he did? He went shopping. We have a great country to introduce laws, but it's about time we get people to enforce them. It is a total joke. And actually just on that, people travelling into uh, Ireland. Uh, yesterday we had a some workers from a factory in Cork contact us uh, because they had a fellow workmate who had gone home to a European destination 
over Christmas and then arrived back. Had a test taken before came back into the country. It was negative, but came was back in work. And the workers were contacting us saying they thought that this person should be restricting their movements for 14 days because we're told if you come into this country, you should restrict your movements for 14 days. But we checked when we came off air uh, yesterday and if passengers are arriving from an orange or red or a grey region and it seems this worker came from a red region, the other countries were... There's, where there's a ban is at the moment as we know England and also South Africa so the majority of other countries uh, people have to restrict their movements but the restri- for 14 days but the period of restricted movements can end if that person receives a negative result for coronavirus and if it's taken a minimum of five days after they arrive in the country they should then they, they must they need to wait for the negative test result to be returned but they can end their period of restrictive movement so people can come in at the moment now whether that will change today or not I don't know but at the moment people can travel from orange, red or green regions any of the other countries bar says they say the United Kingdom are South Africa they come back they must restrict the movement for five days they can then get a test and hopefully they'll get their test result back say perhaps the next day and then if that test is negative they can then go about their normal business so I don't know if that's what happened in the case of that person who came back and went working in the factory but some of the other workers it's just that nervousness I think that's out there when you are near someone if you hear somebody has recently been travelling because certainly over Christmas I heard of a number of people who had flights cancelled obviously between England and Ireland when they stopped all of the flights and people who desperately wanted to get home I know of some students for example who were studying in the UK and wanted to come home and what they did instead was they got a flight to Belfast and then family members travelled from Cork up to Belfast to collect their loved ones and bring them home and that made some people nervous now I heard of people who did that but then they restricted their movements but I heard of others who didn't they're you know they collected their loved ones and their loved ones were were seen out like that as that as John is saying his neighbour straight back from Lanzarote and the first thing they do is go to the go to the supermarket and people are just nervous about it people are just you're nervous when you're around anyone I think at this stage and I suppose that's the way we should all be we're all told to act and react like we ourselves are contagious and everyone you meet is contagious and by doing that you certainly give everybody a wide berth and you make sure you are within two metres away from somebody and wearing of masks and the hand hygiene and all of that. Anyway, we'll wait and see what the Cabinet finally decide on when it comes to travel but it is looking like that they're going to insist certainly from England and from South Africa that people will have to have a negative coronavirus test before they will be allowed into the country whether they'll be expected to have another test or not and whether they'll be still expected to restrict their movement for 14 days. We'll wait and see what the Cabinet sign off on. On the leaving Cert students and the fact that the Leaving Cert students are particularly worried about schools being closed for the month of January and some say the schools could even be closed longer. Sandy has a suggestion if you are to close all the schools why not close all the schools but just allow the Leaving Cert students and their fifth year students into the school building. Distribute them around all of the empty classrooms in the secondary school with teachers rotating to teach smaller numbers. This would prob- there would probably be four or five available teachers extra to teach, say, English, maths, etc. 
thus reducing the possibility of the virus spreading. And Sandy says, simply forget about the junior search are the first, are the second years. And I take it for that, you would say, Sandy, that all of the teachers would literally just focus on the fifth years and the leaving search students and there will be no remote learning done for those in first, second, third and in transition year. Sandy reckons that will be a way round protecting the leaving cert for this year. And John says, Patricia, is Micheál Martin going to come on TV today to address the nation? And when he does it to tell us of the new restrictions, will he apologise to the Irish people for getting it so wrong? Or will people see him as a great fella for saving Christmas? Look at the state of the country now. It'll be doom and gloom for the next 12 months. Have no doubt about it, says John. Good man, Micheál. After all, the buck does stop with you. 1850 Uh, John Paul taking your calls if you want to text or WhatsApp you can to 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com Now anyone who was or still is receiving the pandemic unemployment payment could face an unpleasant tax surprise with a letter from Revenue to find out who may owe money to the taxman I'm joined by Cork East Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock Good morning to you Sean Good morning, Patricia. Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Well, many happy returns. Do you you believe some people were unaware that the PUP payment is a taxable income support? I think, yes, most people are unaware. I myself was unaware uh, of it until uh, I had a conversation with an employee in the Cork region who had stated that uh, their employer had stated to them that they may have a liability uh, arising from receipt of the pub payment in the first lockdown when that person was was let go. We put in a parliamentary question and the answer that came back from Heather Humphreys, the minister, was that there could be up to 295,000 people who would have paid contributions uh, in the years 2018-2019 who would have been in receipt of the pub payment, who may now have a liability. And what she said to us was that for somebody who was receiving the 350 rate for the nine months of last year, uh, that the total tax liability for a single person could be €262 approximately. Now, we were very surprised to learn that because if you extrapolate out from from that, like one single person in receipt of pub, at a rate of 262 uh, euros, you know, does it follow then that somebody who was in receipt of additional, uh, we'll say supplementary payments, if they had families, for instance, would, would the liability be higher? We don't know that for sure yet. The key point here is that what the department is telling us is that there, there may be a liability, but what they're also saying is that where a liability arises that revenue announced last September that they would collect the liability, you know, free of interest by reducing the tax credits of an individual over a number of years, and that would be four years, so that, I suppose, the the effect of it would be distributed. What we're saying, in effect, is that if somebody has a liability of €262 and they're in the hospitality sector or the retail sector, you know, which are particularly hard hit at the moment, you know, 262 euros, if you're on a very low wage or reasonably low wage and you're still within the tax net, you know, that's 
that could be the difference between putting, you know, paying for those exceptional payments that arise in a household in a given year. Like, take take the weather, for instance, where you might have a, at the moment where you might have to fix a boiler or get a fill of oil in or gas or whatever. You know, that €262 Euros makes a big difference to your, your annual spend for those types of payments. So I, I suppose we're asking the government to, to take a look at this again. Um, while you're not asking for the government not to take tax where tax law is applied, but you're asking for some degree of discretion by the government where, for instance, people have lost their jobs to absolutely no fault of their own in sectors like retail and hospitality in particular, where €262 is not an insignificant sum. Uh, yeah, and money. it and it's also it's not just for people who lost their jobs and were forced to go on the pop payment. This also affects people who were put on the who remained in work and their employer went to the government under the temporary wage subsidy scheme. In, indeed, and that's where that's where the uncertainty lies for for people who are employed who would have been in receipt of uh, you know the the. The, the supplementary payment, if you will, or that component of their pay. Uh, because the expectation of any employee is that that the employer deducts your tax uh, and you are then no longer liable because you are a PAYE worker. You've made your, your, you, you know, your tax contribution, your PRSI contributions, and therefore that's your duty done, as it were. Uh, what we don't want to see is a situation where you know, particularly you know, people on, on average wages or, or on low wages where they don't end up having a tax liability after the fact, uh, you know, to absolutely no fault of their own because, you know, they've, their employers have said, look, we're, we're keeping you on. We're supp- the government is supplementing your wages through the employee wage subsidy scheme. Uh, you know, but then you have a situation where employees are sometimes communicating with them or have communicated with employees that there may be an additional liability. It would be our view that the, 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 that should be worked out between the employer uh, and the government. And at a time when much of the borrowing now uh, is for COVID-related activity, that the government should price that in so that there's no additional cost to the employer or there's no additional cost to the employee because you can, even though it's borrowed money, and let's be honest about this, it is borrowed money, that you can take the weight of that borrowing and, and price that out over a period of 20 or 30 years, which is you know, what is being done, done now. I think it's people's immediate need has to be Mm. addressed you know it's those uh, those payments where people have lost their jobs they can't afford effectively to to meet additional tax burden well and, and i know i was reading a, a piece from a, a tax consultant um member of the chartered accountants uh, of ireland talking about you know people particularly those on the temporary wage subsidy scheme they were saying that some of the tax bills could be over a thousand euro well, that, that's it, going to be a, a real and letters. Letters are going to be in the post, isn't it? That's what's happening. The taxman is going to be contacting people, according to the front page of the Irish Times, from next week. Well, indeed, and you see, when we put in the parliamentary question, the scenario that came back to us was, and I, I quote from the answer, that the maximum three hundred and fifty rate under the PUP for nine months this year, you know, for a single person, a single person could be 262 uh, euros. If, but if you were uh, on the employment wage subsidy scheme, 
you know, that that would arguably be, by any objective analysis, be a lot higher. And it could be over a thousand euros. And that's something that was raised actually by uh, Deputy Pierce Doherty as well, where, you know, he had uh, made a claim that it could be as high as 1,400, 1,500 uh, euros. It's going to be, it will be. And and the only way, I know if people go on to myrevenue.ie, you know, rather than wait for a letter in the post, they may be able to find out themselves what they may owe. I, I, I think that that would be advisable for people to do through the revenue.ie because I think I, I think what we will do is continue to press government for some sort of abatement of that cost of that tax additional tax paid uh, because and and the logic and not being populist about it but the way to do that would be to price the cost of that into the borrowings because we're borrowing heavily anyway. But but we we can say that safely because we do know that tax revenues in 2019 were were, were quite buoyant and, you know, were on a par with uh, 2020. So notwithstanding the crisis that we're in. So you can, let's just say that the state can shoulder the cost of that uh, comfortably and such that you give some alleviation to low paid workers. And I think that's what this is about. And as I say, we'll wait and see. But if uh, employees want to find out how much they owe, you can go on to Revenue's online service, myaccount.ie. The Cabinet are meeting today. We know that there's going to be a stricter lockdown coming down the tracks, Sean, including schools being closed. I saw you yesterday call for a promise that school meals would continue. There There was a system put in place, wasn't there, back in March? There was indeed, and I, I spoke to Minister Roderick O'Gorman uh, about this last night. We had a conversation. What we want to ensure is that the most vulnerable children, uh, who, for them, school is a safe place, where in certain circumstances, Patricia, in many circumstances across the state, there are children now out of school and in very vulnerable positions at home. And school is a safe place. And what we want to ensure is that for childcare and for the early years sector and for primary and post-primary school, that there isn't an absolute closure. And we would echo the views of the children's ombudsman on this this morning, uh, Dr Muldoon, where if you're talking about a, a complete shutdown, that you must make exceptions for vulnerable children in particular and vulnerable students such that you put in place the supports or keep the supports in place. That's something that I conveyed to Minister Roderick O'Gorman yesterday and something that he was absolutely across himself and was very conscious of. But on the whole issue, the wider issue of childcare, like what we also what I also thought was clarity for the the early year sector for creches, preschools and early years. Because for instance if you take teachers now who will be uh, out of the classroom environment who themselves have families who will be expected to teach you know, what kind of system will you be putting in place? Will the state be putting in place for those families? What kind of system? How do you uh, define what is an essential worker now relative to the last lockdown, for instance, when the entirety of the childcare system was uh, earlier sector was, was, was closed down? How do you put in place uh, measures for workers themselves within the earlier sector uh, who whose risk profile now has arguably increased. So we're waiting uh, in anticipation of what happens at Cabinet today because we want to ensure that, you know, you can't have a complete lockdown, that you must ensure that measures are put in place for vulnerable children and for 
uh, you know, the children of frontline workers and medical workers and so on. And we have to wait and see what the government will come come out with on that today. But we do need to ensure that, you know, a system is put in place to ensure that children who are vulnerable are looked are protected. Are they? And, and I saw you've called for a bonus child benefit payment for the month of January, I'm assuming to cover the additional costs of families having children at home, is it? I think so, because like we saw in the first lockdown where there was a massive impact for working parents and for working mothers uh, in particular, this, you know, particularly around the whole issue of homeschooling. I, I think that payment would just give a little bit of extra comfort, an extra little bit of wriggle room for for families. And it's an acknowledgement to, you know, to families that the state is appreciating the fact that they are in lockdown situation now and, and, and there will be additional costs that will accrue to that. And it's just a way of the state acknowledging, uh, you know, that fact. Uh, it gives a little bit of comfort and a little bit of margin and headroom for families. Uh, and I, I think people, families would work, welcome that. Again, you can price that in. I know it's borrowing, but it's borrowing over a long period of time but it just acknowledges the fact that there will be major challenges for parents because this week is an exception because you're just coming off the back of a holiday period wait till next week and the week after and the week after and if this lockdown goes into January and February the strain that families will feel if children and young adults are at home is it, it will be similar to the lockdown in March and we saw the effects of that lockdown. And I think it, I think it'll be it, the the one advantage that we had in March was we were blessed that we had good weather. We're in a very different s- situation the time of the year and with the way the weather is. And, and we know a lot more now than we did in March. In, in March, I mean, we didn't know so much about the science. We, you know, we were hearing the stories from Italy about the medical situation there. I, I think we now know what we need to do and how to prepare for a lockdown. We're a lot more prepared, I think, you know, at, at the household level. Uh, but but you're right. I mean, even though there's a, a slight stretch in the evenings and you can really feel that stretch, you know, it, it's the weather itself is a major impediment to getting people outdoors uh, at present. You just can't go outdoors at present for long periods of time. And and that means that invariably people have to spend a lot longer indoors and that brings its own pressures in every single household throughout the country. Yeah, and costs with things like heating, etc. And just exactly. to finish on, on a really good news uh, story, confirmation of the funding for the Mallow General Hospital, 29 million euro to cover 40, 48 bed extension. That's right. It, it, it's wonderful news and it's a continuation of the work of so many people down through, uh, you know, down through the years where there was always a recognition that Mallow General Hospital was always punching above its weight, excellent staff, very professional and are able to take on more work and are able to pivot into new areas of activity and there's an acknowledgement now by the HSE that that hospital has a future and we know and we've known this for a long time that the the nature of medicine is changing and that because a lot of medicine now is delivered you know it's acute medicine it's short stay short stay surgical and Mallow Hospital has pitched itself into a kind of a segment in the market that does short-stay care exceptionally well. It has an excellent staff, excellent cohort of professional staff. There's a recognition by uh, the HSC 
that because elective procedures take up a large bulk of uh, medical procedures in hospitals now, it means then that you can translate a lot more activity out from hospitals like CUH into Mallow, and it's ideally located to 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 do that. And and we welcome this news. I think it's it's it's, it's fantastic that the HSC, dare I say it, finally recognising the worth of Mallow, and we've been trying to push the worth of Mallow for decades now, and it's all thanks to, you know, great groups like the Mallow Hospital Action Committee, the Friends of Mallow Hospital, and every every citizen across North Cork and into Limerick and Tipperary uh, who have supported, and, you know, West Cork and places like that that have supported hospitals like Mallow. And, and there's finally a recognition that it has a future. Its future now is secured. Its activity levels are high. It came through and is coming through the COVID crisis very well. And, and, and there's a recognition of that. And that's why the capital expenditure pot that the HSE has is being divested in a way such that it's investing in places like Mallow because it's recognising that Mallow can deliver healthcare in an exceptional way. No and, no timeline on the building of the, uh, well, the new beds and obviously uh, with the, what's going to come out on construction today could also affect it. You, you, the, the initial timeline was completion by the end of uh, 2021. Okay. Uh, you'd have to say now that that timeline is going to, to move into 2022. I, I, I could live with that, to be honest about it. Uh, but the main thing here is that this isn't like a usual announcement where, you know, announcements are made and then you're waiting years for the project to happen. This is actually happening. Uh, the plans are very are, are completed. Uh, works in terms of, you know, initial types of works, the usual initial works to go with a project like this have already started. Uh, you know, but if the timelines shift into quarter one of next year or quarter two or three of next year, I think people will live with that, knowing that the project will be delivered. OK, all right. We leave it there, Sean. Listen, thank you for that. And thanks for thank joining us Patricia. on the programme. Good morning to you. That is Cork East Labour Doll Deputy Sean Charlotte. Text is saying, morning, Patricia. It's from Nora. Thank you, Nora, for putting your name on your text. Just wondering, is there, are there any plans for social welfare payments to go back to fortnightly at the post office? Thinking you keep safe. No, uh, but uh, and I'll tell you why they're not going to introduce that, because when they changed back from fort, when they went from fortnightly back to weekly, they did say to people, if you prefer to collect your social welfare payment or your pension payment or whatever, whatever it is, if you prefer to collect it weekly, uh, every two weeks, fortnightly, then you are, are free to do that. You just simply leave the money at the post office. It's up to you whether you go every week or whether you go fortnightly, you can go monthly. I think you can leave it for up to three months, I think, in the post office, even though I need to get uh, clarification on that. But certainly you can leave it for two weeks. So if you feel safer doing that, then uh, leave it for two weeks and happy little women's Christmas to you as well, uh, Nora. And then uh, this made me smile. Colette said, this is on the fact that I said today is the day when women traditionally shouldn't do anything and the men folk are meant to do anything. Well, good morning. Uh, Petition, happy New Year, says Colette. Can I just inform you, some traditions should be gone today. Today really is the day that the women take down all the decorations in my house anyway. I don't know what that tradition is, but I'll tell you what I call it, a right dose. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
John says the government is now making it mandatory for people coming into this state to have a negative COVID test 72 hours before arrival. Well, that in itself is good news. But, says John, is it a little bit too late? The new mutation of the virus is already here. As, u- as usual, the government is behind the curve, says uh, John closing the stable doors after the horse has bolted on the pop payment and people owing or will be owing tax money. By the way, I I mentioned when I was chatting with Sean Sherlock that uh, employees can find out how much they will owe rather than waiting for the letter for the taxman by assessing the revenues online service myaccount.ie A couple of people on were saying they went on to myaccount.ie and John Paul during the news went on as well to check and the, when you go on to it there's so much in that site nobody knows what to click or where you need to go and it isn't certainly very obvious when you go on to myaccount.ie so we're going to get on to revenue to see if they can give us some direction that we can pass on to listeners who, do, who want to check uh, just rather than wait letters are expected out I think from next week I think revenue are going to start writing to people if you have a tax liability uh, not everyone is going to have a tax liability but certainly some people will many tens of thousands will but I think people just want to know how much they actually will owe at the tax man and good morning Patricia somebody says will you stop this is when we were talking about the pop payment and the fact that they may have a tax liability are we now in a nanny state employees need to take some responsibility It's very sweet of Sean to be considering people who are on the pandemic uh, payment but we have a we have a family member on the pop payment guess what every day a delivery for her all online shopping and then the person said fuming emojis <laughs> not happy at all whoever that person is they're spending every single cent that they're getting in their pandemic payment and they're entitled to do that as well I can hear people say hi Patricia this is Martha just to confirm that that not only are people not respecting the restrictions but there are some retailers who are absolutely breaching what is going on. Uh, I was surprised when I went into a shop to get pet food and the rest of the store was fully open. Now it's a shop they're allowed to be open for the sale of pet food but they shouldn't be allowing access to the rest of the store. I actually asked one of the staff members, why are you not partially closed off like everybody else and other stores are doing? And the staff member told me the management are waiting for the Gardaí to come in before they'll fully close the store or close off the sections of the store that customers shouldn't be allowed into. Just wondering why why are these retailers not fined? Uh, thanking you, Happy New Year. And that's from Martha. And I think, Martha, that could be one of the reasons why at the Cabinet meeting, which is going on now, we're hearing that they're going to announce that Click and Collect is going to be gone. It, you will have to do Click and Delivery because I think they're starting to get aware that there's a movement of people. People are going out, be it Click and Collect, and there's probably more shops doing similar, that they're allowing people in and they're selling items that they shouldn't be selling. So they're going to remove that completely. What you're now going to have to do, if you need to get pet food, for example, you'll have to do Click and Delivery and there'll be additional costs obviously in that uh, people are going to have to pay for postal or couriers or whatever the, the businesses decide to use if they decide to go along with click and delivery rather than click and collect but click and collect certainly I think is going to be gone will it be from midnight tonight only time will tell we, are, we, are, we will await to see what comes out of that cabinet meeting which is should be underway now I think it was due to start at half past ten now some of your texts into the programme today um Uh, Let me see what's coming in here there. We'll leave those ones for a moment. Why haven't the army been brought in and a curfew 
brought in in this country. A curfew after a certain time, say eight o'clock. Nobody allowed out on the streets and it's an essential reason everyone has to be in home. In our local town, gangs of teenagers are everywhere to be seen, especially in the evening and the night time. Do parents have any control over their children? Some people like to go to the shops at night because they feel safer. They feel that there will be less people out and about. But these teenagers now are putting fear into those individuals, whereas the parental responsibility in a curfew certainly would stop that with anyone being out on the street after a certain hour. Haven't heard of a curfew being mentioned in this country? Are there curfews in other countries? Absolutely they are. I'm sure there's a curfew in Northern Ireland as well or there certainly was a curfew at one time. I I know John Paul was talking about putting up um, some of our social medias just to sort of do a poll to see how people feel about it. How would you feel? Would you like for the government to introduce some kind of a curfew? Uh, or would you see that as a step too far? Do you think people should just abide by the rules and we don't need we don't need it to be that strict whereby you wouldn't be allowed out of your house from say eight in the morning or six in the morning unless you were going to work or there was some essential reason for it? How would people feel about that? Eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three. Patricia, you talk about some not taking this pandemic seriously. Well I know of a woman who from the very beginning of this doesn't really believe in this pandemic and now is even refusing to wear a mask, claiming it's all nonsense. And the only people we are infecting by wearing a mask is ourselves. My response to her was, well, I would rather that I infect myself rather than infect others. And I went on to tell her how selfish and ignorant she was by not wearing a mask. She's one of those who believes the rules apply to everybody else but her. These types are not ones to try to have a reasoned conversation with, by the way. They're just selfish, but they are also extremely dangerous. How right you are. And unfortunately, there are a cohort of people out there who will refuse to believe the coronavirus even exists. And actually, I was reading, I saw a piece up on social media and a lot of the papers are picking up on it uh, today. The scientist and broadcaster Liz Bonin, you know that fantastic Irish girl, she's done an awful lot of work with the BBC. I've seen her do work with the likes of David Attenborough and then recently she was actually on RTE with, uh, she teamed up with Professor Luke O'Neill and they did a series of daily programmes for Science Week. Remember that? And they looked at lots of different things Then they, they, they covered COVID-19 as well during Science Week and she's absolute stunning looking girl uh, as well. She was actually born in France but raised here in Ireland but she's been living in Great Britain now for, for quite some time as I say most of her work I've seen her do has been on the BBC but she came out on social media yesterday to say she's absolutely broken because her mother has died because of Corona virus and she put up a really really heartfelt string of posts yesterday on uh, Twitter expressing her despair at the mishandling of the pandemic and she spoke about her frustration about the policy makers that they didn't act on the scientific advice and then she pleaded for an end to fear and division which she says is caused by misinformation and conspiracy theories and then she went on also to urge the wealthy nations to wake up to the fertility of prioritising economic growth over environmental and human uh, health. And then she spoke, uh, uh, it made me cry reading the piece that she wrote. She was speaking about the staff and she said the staff that had shown her how beautiful we humans can be, compassionate, dedicated, strong, selfless, brave, honest and full of empathy. She said traits that as a society we seem to have forgotten we are capable of as we continue to deepen the divide divide between us uh, out of fear. And she said I don't know how to start healing from the way my mum 
has died. But what I do know is she was a victim of the ongoing mishandling of the pandemic and the blatant misunderstanding of what it takes to control the virus and therefore protect the uh, economy. We didn't listen to or act on the science and she said her world has absolutely crumbled as she watched, watched her mother suffer the consequences of what we continue to prioritise in much of the global north, which is the cost of the environment and the cost of human beings. She said in an age of rampant misinformation and absurd conspiracy theories and obviously she's coming from a scientific background so she knows the science behind the advice that's given but it was just really heartfelt and there's yet somebody else who's lost a loved one due to this uh, dreadful, dreadful virus that has landed on our shores and then you've just got people being utterly stupid not even believing that it exists and I don't want to wear a mask because I don't like wearing a mask and I don't care, you know whether I get it uh, or not. And you'd wonder, would they be the very people, if God forbid they got it, banging down the hospital door to get in to get the help that they will need. 1850 With the lockdown and what we're expecting to be further restrictions later on today, somebody says, what about manufacturing workers? They haven't been mentioned. Have they been ignored in all of this? Do politicians not realise that we have votes? We're all very fearful at the moment, particularly because we are working working indoors in very close quarters and often we're in factories that are not unionised so we don't even have a union to speak up for us. These people count these people count too and many of the employees are foreigners who don't give a hoot about their own personal safety does the government not care enough to even give them a thought it's disgraceful what about the health and safety authority where are they now and you're right there isn't any talk about um Manufacturing. We're hearing schools are going to close. We're hearing that construction is going to close. We're also hearing that you know, retail that's allowed to open for click and collect, that that's going to change. But I haven't heard anything. Now, maybe that'll change. Maybe that will, will change. Let's, let's wait and see because they're, they're having their meeting at the moment. And this is a breaking story. The Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, has just tested positive for COVID-19. She's pregnant at the moment, isn't she as well? Isn't Helen McEntee pregnant? Yeah, uh, she's just tested positive. So there's somebody within government now testing another government member testing positive for uh, COVID-19. And on the 72 hours that we're going to, it's going to be announced today that if you're travelling into this country from the UK or from South Africa initially, but it will be extended, we believe, to other countries, you'll have to have a test 72 hours before you travel. Joan Dermanway is questioning that and thinks that's absolutely madness. She says a lot can happen in 72 hours. Okay, she says, I'm flying into Ireland and I have my test done three days before I fly and it's negative. Happy days, I'll be able to get on the plane. Then before I fly, I fancy meeting up with my friends. Maybe I'll go out for dinner. Maybe I'll go out to a house party. Maybe I'll have some friends over. And then I pick up COVID-19 and who who says one of them doesn't have the virus and passes it on to me testing at the airport is the only way it will work says Joe in uh, Dunmanway. Hi Patricia, love the show thank you for that. Just on schools closing and parents complaining that they will have to stay at home with their children. What the hell is wrong with these parents? Where I'm living, most of those mothers are slash fathers aren't working anyway and those who are have grandparents looking after their children. So if the 
so if the kids were to go back to school, they're coming home to grandparents anyway. This is the safest option for everyone. It's too dangerous to send children to school now. Is money so important to those people? I'm sorry, but it feels like they don't want to get to know their own children or they don't want to have time for them. Send them off to school or plonk them in front of a tablet or a screen to mind them. There is a global pandemic going on. All children will get their education eventually. People are just worrying about this and they're having wrong concerns. And it's some, not all, some parents are complaining because it it feels like to this listener they just don't want their own children uh, at home. And a final one here is saying, Patricia, what is wrong with the people of Ireland? They just simply don't, are not getting it. There's no point in blaming the politicians. Cop themselves on. Stand up and take blame themselves. I live in a very small village and every day I see parents up and down to the school and not one of them wearing a mask. What is wrong with these people? We are rearing a selfish generation who cannot take the word no and cannot be spoken to. That's from one of our listeners. And John was on by phone to John Paul. And this is on people who've been complaining about Micheál Martin and some people have been giving out about Micheál Martin and feels that Micheál Martin has got it wrong this time. John says, everyone's on about Micheál Martin and the mess he's made of uh, this. But I feel, says John, finger of blame shouldn't be pointed at Micheál Martin. The problem we have at the moment is we have too many leaders in the government. We have Micheál Martin, we have Leo Varadkar with Fianna Gael and we have the Eamon Ryan of the Greens. There are simply too many people involved in the decision, decision making. John says, my gran used to always say before, too many cooks spoil the broth. And I think when it comes to this current government, she's right. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. The Bonsecure Hospital in Cork, they are recruiting for a staff nurse and a sonographer. Uh, please uh, contact the hospital directly for further details. Experienced electrician with experience in maintenance in industrial pharma is required. That's for work in East Cork. And a driver is wanted for Blackwater Metal Recycling. They're based in Bohabui. You need to have a full CE licence and CPC essential. And a taxi and a minibus driver that's wanted for a school run in Cork City. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today on C103. With McCroom Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com. Before Christmas, there were concerns that the cross-border directive, which has allowed thousands of people travel to Belfast for cataract and other medical procedures, would end once Brexit came into being. Well, it seems those concerns were justified. And Deputy Michael Collins joins me. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. And Happy New Year to you. Now, has it now been confirmed to you that the cross-border directive is done, finished, gone? It has. Um, I contacted um, the HSE cross-border directive um, uh, rollout in, in Kilkenny on Monday. Um, <clears throat> I had a number of people that wanted to go for hip and knee surgery and cataract surgery. Um, so I, I, I asked her, like in plain terms, basically, will they get reimbursed if they go to the north of Ireland, um, to Belfast, as we were taking people previously to, um, uh, as of from... Um, the first of December, first of January onwards, and she said, unfortunately, they have had no directive or no direction from the HSE. And if anybody goes to the north of Ireland for surgery, um, there is no reimbursement 
as it stands right now. She issued, she said there's a statement there and she said she'd forward that uh, statement and it says in the absence of policy direction, we cannot provide you with a definite, definitive uh, position in regard to access to healthcare under the provisions of the CBD in the UK, including Northern Ireland. So what they're saying now is, you know, that, 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 that basically if you're going to the North, you will not uh, be reimbursed for an operation as it stands unless changes are made. And just to remind listeners, what happens is you go up north, you have your operation done. It's a private hospital, obviously, in Belfast. You need to pay them. What has been happening up to now is you come back and then you apply to this division that you talk about of the HSC in Kilkenny and then after a period of time, they reimburse you your money. They reimburse you almost maybe 90% of the of the cost of the operation. And it had been working very successfully. Uh, the T-shirt in a question I raised in the doll recently said over 7,000 people used the service last year. And they, while they were always maybe slightly critical, saying that it's a cost to the state, they, but at the end of the day, none of these people would up, uh, Patricia, only that they were seriously in the need of surgery, whether it was a cataract operation or a hip or a knee replacement or a carpal tunnel or whatever. And the thing is, I am critical of the, of, the, of the government because we've had four and a half years and I do realise that Brighton has been very confusing and it came to a finale at, at, at the very edge of, of a deal was done at the very edge and you'll say maybe it was difficult for them to foresee uh, the type of deal that was there. But there was three healthcare initiatives that, that are there at this present time. One was there was a cancer, uh, cancer patients are going from Donegal to Derry. That has been um, ring-fenced and secured many, many months before this. The second thing was the infant, small babies uh, with heart defects uh, were going from surgery from Belfast to, to Dublin. That had been ring-fenced, and I'm delighted that that was the case, because this is, these are very serious issues that need to be... But the third healthcare initiative that was there was the cross-border directive, and sadly... Uh, the government, um, for some reason, held back and held back. We may have a deal at some stage, but as and from now, unfortunately, anybody going from the Republic uh, to the north of Ireland won't be reimbursed. Because there, there was, that, there was that, much uh, talk of replacing it with a similar scheme. Obviously, the the cross-border one would be gone because, you know, the UK are out of, uh, out of the EU. But there, there was much talk about replacing it. I mean, do we know, are they, are they anywhere near to signing off on a replacement scheme? Well, I tried to make contact with the Department of Foreign Affairs and the Department of Health, um, especially say, at the end of last week, because I just wanted clarity on this issue. Neither of them have come back and told me what scheme, if there is a scheme going to be put in place. So, as, you know, you can only go by what's here at the present time. As I said, the other initiatives that were there already were secured well in advance. And that was the, the criticism I had, that this should have been a seamless transition and that a new scheme obviously would have to be put in place because we are in a situation that no longer is Northern Ireland or Britain in the EU, and that's a new scheme, but that could have been a cross-border type new scheme put in place well in advance of this, and unfortunately we're left in a situation that that, 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 that is not the case. So we have many people waiting to go to the North now, um, and, and we're holding back on the hopes of some deal or some uh, new deal or cross-border scheme will be put in place. But I cannot guarantee that and I don't know what answer to give anybody at this present time. Obviously the doll isn't sitting. That might help if that was sitting. We might get straight up answers but uh, at this present time I haven't got those answers for anybody. And while the, the, the HSC ultimately pay for the operation through the reimbursement, the, the real bonus or the additional bonus to this is it reduces the waiting lists for those who, for whatever reason, are not in a position to go to Belfast. Yeah, I mean... As I said, when I 
question the Taoiseach agrees with me that over 7,000 people available, but so 7,000 people would have been on the waiting list. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a lot on of on people. It is, and, and, and I can assure you, there's none of them going, uh, nobody wants to go to the North or, or anywhere uh, for an operation, only that you need the operation, and especially the, the, the cataract. And the cataract procedure became more and more uh, of an, an urgent issue in relation to people because their license was removed from them and their movement, you know, some people were falling and, and breaking bones on the basis that they were losing their sight. So it became very, um, it, it, became, it, it wasn't the greatest solution in the world, but it, it was a solution. And it was something that we weren't critical of. We were delighted to be able to use that. The people that used it were. We were in a worse situation down here in the Cork side and the Kerry side in relation to the cataract because the procedures weren't taking place uh, where they should be in either Cork or Kerry. Now, there is a promise of a, of a new uh, um, cataract uh, theatre being opened in Cork, uh, but I, I'm afraid that could be 12 months, two years down the line. We have urgent issues that need to be dealt with right now. We need a cross-border scheme of some sort put in place. And I know I will be putting severe pressure on the government because this should have been uh, sorted, done, dusted like the other two initiatives were and, and in place right now. Sad, sadly, it wasn't. Uh, and, and somebody with advanced cataract, uh, Michael, doesn't have two years. It, they don't have two years. We had a bus to go up uh, this Saturday. Um, genuinely, for another reason, and that is because of the COVID-19 situation, uh, a decision was made. We had discussions towards the end of last week uh, again, early this week, even though we had put everything in place, meaning that people were up, had to isolate a week before they go up, they had to be COVID tested two days before they go up. We were even even considering COVID testing on arrival in Belfast, but the dangers are so high at this present time, we decided to uh, step cancel, in, uh, yeah, yeah. cancel this bus for now. But, yeah. but you know, I was very much in contact with Kilkenny on the basis of would those people who are already pre-booked in December be allowed that, that reimbursement that, in that bus? To and will they? No. Oh, no. So, like, no, look, we just hope that there's going to be a new uh, scheme put in place and, and they'll be up as soon as the levels will lower back down to four or three or four or whatever, uh, you know, in the near future. But unfortunately, it was a, it was a difficult situation because if it was any other bus, we could have easily delayed it a month or two and said, look, OK, you, you'll get it started, don't worry. But in this one, it was so difficult to make that decision. But it, 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 was, it was an impossible balancing act. Do you take the chance? You know, of, no, of not people. with COVID, and not no. and not the nature of some of the people you will be taking to Belfast are very vulnerable from a medical point of view, Michael. They and, are and very you know, vulnerable. you couldn't, you couldn't. Okay, listen, keep us updated if you if you do and when you do I get something sure. from the cabinet. And just on a on a different uh, topic, you also want a recall of the joint. Agriculture and Marine Commission. This is in light of the Brexit deal. Are the fishermen and the fishing industry, Michael, the real losers in the deal that was finally signed off? The fishing industry are are reeling in this country from the deal uh, that that was signed. And it was something that I could see coming like a train and you were tied to a track and and the train was coming at you. And I pleaded with Minister McConnell Lowe um, Thomas de Varadka Tisha uh, Michal Martin I was saying where's the 18% at that time Michelle Barnier was offering 18% to the UK of whose fish was he offering and I pleaded with him as can be seen in my Facebook whose fish it was Irish fish it was Irish waters and we had no Irish negotiator in, on the table and Michelle Barnier uh, went, went home uh, closed up a deal over Christmas um, and, 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 and the first person to come out um, celebrating the deal was his president Macron a great deal for French fishermen but unfortunately, it's a shocking bad deal for, for Irish fishermen. I have I have called 
on, on our chairperson to re- reconvene. I just got an email maybe about a half an hour ago saying that there is. We're reconvening a meeting on Tuesday where department officials will clearly outline um, what quotas have been lost and when are these quotas and what kind of a... They're now talking about a, a tie-up scheme. Um, this is a terrible, terrible bad day for... And terrible bad time. What does fishing. a tie-up scheme mean? A tie-up scheme means basically the, the compensation package to fishermen to, to come, out, come out the water, come out of the water. This, you know, fish the fishing, it's worked, it's the Irish economy, it's worked 1.2 million, where there's about 16,000 jobs, Patricia, and these are coastal, rural community jobs. Yeah, yeah. And we've been, we've been badly, badly, look, I called in the, in the negotiations for government for a minister for the marine, because I could see this coming. And they refused it, the minister, um, Tishik, uh, uh, no, um, Michal Martin and, and, and Tanisha Veratka and, and Minister Ryan refused the Minister for the Marine because we have had our eye off the ball in relation to fishing. Do you, do you think the industry country. would have been better served with a standalone ministry? Oh, absolutely. We needed, we needed that desperately. We needed to And my, my whole point was, and Tishik was arguing, arguing with me in the doll saying, did you expect 27 states to have an input into the negotiations? I certainly didn't, but 27 states didn't have their fish on, on, on the line here, or their waters on the line here. But Irish fish and Irish water was always on the line here. And Michelle Barnier was negotiating, yes, and negotiating to maybe the best of his ability, but certainly the French had his ear because they are celebrating the deal that has come through here. And some other European countries are celebrating the deal, but the Irish, it's a shocking deal, bad deal for the, for the, for the Irish fishermen. And okay. all, I, all we can do is to try and see can we get back in around to have a new drafting of the EU fishing quotas. It's the only chance. And the government are stating that we'll have a 35 million loss here. We will be having an 87 million uh, annual loss here, Patricia, for Irish uh, fishermen um, uh, going forward. And and we can see what's after happening with the Irish fishermen with Rock Island, Scotland yesterday. There's major confusion out there. We do need to reconvene the, the agriculture. I'm, I'm a member of the Agricultural Dog Committee. We do need to reconvene. And you say it's going to happen. It's going to happen next Tuesday. Okay, let's and we're wait and see. The fishing groups as well. Let's see what what comes uh, from that. And uh, just finally, as we know, the cabinet as as we speak are, are meeting. Uh, I think it, everyone is expecting there are going to be tighter restrict, restrictions announced later today. Absolutely, Patricia. I, I mean, look at it. Very, very worrying time for people. Um, you know, it's got it, it's got cra- it's crazy situation. It's got way out of hand. Um, you know, and I would advise people again to have as little movement as possible. Do go by the rules to the best of their ability. All I do know is that that you know maybe last March, April, May, you know when COVID came in first and there was so much worry about it. I knew very few people had it. No, I know so many, so many people with COVID nineteen um, symptoms, and 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 you know it's a very, very difficult. So look. These uh, measures have to have to come into play um, in the current situation we're in, and hopefully, to, if we if we lock up tight, very tight in in, in January, that at least we'll be able to move down to a level uh, four or, or three going forward, Patricia. But it is a very very long time, and I would people, you know, I, I mean, I've been calling for t- at a very early stage, and it was refused to me for testing at airports and testing it at our ports coming airports, ports coming in. Now that's happening. We need that to happen more. We need to keep up the testing. And the contact tracing testing is, has, has ended, unfortunately, to a point. We need that to recommence. Uh, we have a very serious crisis in this country and, you know, we need to gel together people and work hard together. To um, make sure and we, we all need to abide by the, the rules that are there, the restrictions, and stay at home. 
Just yeah, limit, it's, it's, limit it's your contacts. We okay. do need to be out there as little as possible. Okay. And, and this is a chance to do that, to try and see how we suppress this and, and, and bring this to an end as, as, as quickly as possible. We've done it before. We can do it again. Michael, listen, I'll leave it there. Thank you for that and thanks for joining thank us. Uh, good morning you. to you. That is uh, West Cork Independent Doll Deputy Michael Collins. Cork Today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. McCrewmotors.com Crosshaven is leading the call for the leaving on of the Christmas lights with a campaign that seems to be growing momentum uh, right across Cork and indeed further afield. Uh, local Fianna Fáil councillor Audrey Buckley uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Audrey. Good morning. Thank now, you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Now, who approached the Crosshaven Development Committee to leave the lights on for the rest of January? Where did this um, all stem from? Well, it all stemmed from really... Um, it- taken us 10 years. I don't know if you've been down to Crosshaven, but we've got 20 trees dressed. Okay. Um, and we have a, a village area, lights along the, the promenade. But um, we started about 10 years ago fundraising for these lights, and it's grown a memento, but we pay the electric bill for the lights. <laughs> okay. So um, it takes about 15 to 20 volunteers to put the lights up. And we made the decision over a week ago that we would leave them up for another couple of weeks to see what the new regulation guidelines were for COVID because we couldn't have people gathering, taking the lights down. Of course, yeah. Um, And then uh, a local resident, Deirdre, posted something on uh, social media asking, would it be possible to leave the lights on? Because um, for her and for many others in the village, it's um, a feel-good factor. Um, it makes the evenings um, more enjoyable, not so dark. Mm. Um, so we decided that we would, um, that we were leaving them up, but we would also leave them lit. And then we were asked if we um, had somewhere where people could donate to keep the lights up because this is a community initiative. Um, so we just started a GoFundMe page and within 24 hours, we had asked for a thousand euros and where we've nearly doubled it. Yeah, isn't that, isn't that brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, now, I haven't been to Crosshaven, but I have seen the photographs. Yeah. And, and it's it, it just... Magical. Oh, it, it, yeah, magical is a great word. It really is gorgeous. And I think we all need all of our spirits need to be lifted a little bit. January can be such a depressing yeah, month at the best month. of times. And this year, I think more than ever, we need our spirits lifted. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's so magical when you're driving in the village. For me, I, I live outside the village. So when I drive down into the village and it's just lit up, it's just lift your spirits, as you say. It's a feel-good factor. When you see small kids running around the square yeah, in between the lights and the trees, um, so it's worked really well and we're definitely going to keep it for the month of January. Um, I just think other communities actually I've seen are going to follow our lead yeah. and do the same thing. And why not? Let's Absolutely. The month. And, and, in, and if individual households want to get involved in this, I mean, even if you want to take down the Christmas tree, but you could, if people have outside lights, yeah. I think it might be nice just to leave them on for the, for the extra couple of weeks. That, well, the, the on month. the Crosshaven notice board where, the, where it was asked we could leave the lights on, it's amazing the amount of now local residents who are saying, well, I'll take my Christmas tree down, but I'm going to leave my outside lights Christ. on and get on board 
with it. Um, we've been very fortunate with Centre Cross Haven Challenge, you know, have given us funding for this over the past years. But, you know, there's been, um, the, that's a triathlon, but there's been no fundraiser for us. So it's quite difficult. And Cork County Council are actually on board with us as well, and they have given us funding. Great. So this extra money will pay for actually extra lights coming into the village next year. Brilliant. See, um, there's so a real plus out of it. There's a, re- there's a real plus out of it. And I'd love to see, and it'd be interesting to see, will other towns that have lights put up by maybe the council, uh, will, yes. will they take up, pick up on this and maybe leave the lights on as well? Yeah, and I hope they do. I know Seamus McGrath was asking the council for Cardline. I've seen Tracton um, locally have asked if they could leave their lights on. Whereas for us, we put them up ourselves and we pay for the electricity. So that's kind of where we were at at it. But whereas you're right, whereas when council funded lights and that, they really have to give the go ahead for that. But I think they'll be on board with it. I think, yeah. And I was reading on the papers today, there's a big campaign over across the water as well in England to do something similar. They're asking people to leave their lights up, I think, until Candlemas, which is the 2nd yes. of, uh, of February. So it that. is, it's That's really, fantastic. it's gaining, it is gaining momentum, which is fantastic. But you've obviously got a brilliant uh, little development committee down there in, in Crosshaven. <laughs> We have, you know, there's a group of us there. None of us like meetings, but we're very proactive. So we all kind of take a project. Like, you know, we had the goats. I was on with you recently. Yeah, yeah. With the goats. So um, I think COVID has kind of, uh, we're all coming up with different ideas so we can volunteer locally and be out of the house, but doing like litter bits, like I'm doing a lot of beach cleaning with my kids right now just to get out. Yeah. With the month closed at now I think we'll all be looking to do these um, little things to get our children out of the house. Yeah, and at the same time, you can do something that will benefit the local area where you live. Somebody says the Christmas lights in Crosshaven are absolutely brilliant. This is from John, one of our listeners. He just said, it's a shame that the road to Crosshaven is a disgrace and it's dangerous. Cork County Council should spend the money on road repair. I know. Well, we have been asked, as a councillor, we have been asking for local infrastructure because, you know, with the load of new uh, houses now being built in Crosshaven, the infrastructure is not there to take it anymore. So that is definitely something that we are asking for. Okay, but in the meantime, the lights are staying lit in Crosshaven. Well done. And unfortunately, we can't ask people to come down. I I was, I see, (laughs) that was going to be my final piece. And I just said, oh God, I can't do that because you've got to stay within your 5K. So everybody within 5K of Crosshaven, and I'm sure you've already seen the lights, but just to let you know, they will remain, they will remain lit. And you know what's actually uh, nice as well? um, The GoFundMe page, um, the, the owners of the page actually just contacted me recently asking could they use this feel-good page to post on their main page. Who did that? Uh, The GoFundMe page. They thought it was such a great idea (laughs) that they asked for permission so they have it on their main page. It'll spread all over the world, I'm telling you. Great little things happen in Crosshaven and you're you're spreading it out. Long may it continue. Listen, Happy New Year, uh, Audrey. And and Happy Women's Little Christmas today. Oh, Uh, yeah. Yeah, most people, we've forgotten about it, haven't we, almost? 
while I'm doing laundry and vacuuming and stuff like that I think I'll just quit for the day now thanks for reminding me (laughs) it's the men are meant to do everything just a gentle (laughs) reminder to all the men All right, listen thanks for that Audrey we'll speak again take care bye 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 that is local Fianna Fáil councillor in Crosshaven uh, Audrey Buckley with us to say is a campaign that really is gaining momentum and I don't know if individual households want to get involved in this or not if you are today traditionally is a day that people take down their Christmas tree but maybe you might consider leaving some of your lights on and particularly the outside lights just to brighten up and lift everyone's spirits as we move through uh, January which is going to be a tough month for a lot of people uh, particularly as we await what the what the, the cabinet are going to announce with the additional restrictions that are going to be in place so it is going to be uh, an even bleaker month if they can be than it normally uh, is so maybe just to brighten it up a little bit leave consider you might consider leaving your lights up John and Cove says uh, listening to our piece about Crosshaven leaving the lights on and they to do a GoFundMe to get the money to pay for the additional electricity bills that they're going to have because it's the Community Development uh, Development Association who run the, the putting up of the lights uh, John says if the electricity companies had any heart wouldn't they leave groups like Crosshaven away without paying the additional bill just to leave the Christmas lights on for the month of uh, January wouldn't that be a lovely, lovely gesture on behalf of electricity supply uh, companies. I agree with you wholeheartedly, John. Thanks for your call from uh, Cove. A couple of people reacting to Michael Collins who joined us in the last hour when he was giving out about the deal that the fishermen got. Dermot says, ask Michael, would he have preferred a no deal? A no deal would have been 10 times worse. Uh, Willie says, is Michael going to say he's wrong now for suggesting that pubs should have reopened? He was calling for pubs to reopen before before Christmas, look what has happened in many, many communities. And someone else is saying something similar. Mike uh, was annoyed listening to Michael Collins on the programme uh, today. He said himself and the Healy Rays were screaming and jumping around looking for pubs to reopen before Christmas. Now he wants everyone to abide by the rules. What a joke. I heard of, I've heard of people speaking out of both sides of their mouth, but listening to him today beats all of that. Uh, my area, which is in his constituency, is rife now with COVID-19 uh, says uh, Mike and God there's just so few areas now that isn't rife with COVID-19 and actually when we were speaking with a West Cork uh, doctor Dr Paul O'Sullivan on Monday on the programme it was upsetting uh, to hear him talk about very rural areas like out on the Sheeps Peninsula but very rural areas of West Cork that they were priding themselves on the fact that they'd managed to keep COVID away and they'd worked hard to keep COVID away and unfortunately as we know what happened over Christmas COVID I don't think that there's an area now that doesn't have a case of COVID and the amount of people and I can see when I mentioned this yesterday texts and calls coming in saying the same thing that before Christmas there was a lot of us didn't know in person an individual who'd been diagnosed with COVID-19 you might have heard of somebody you know like a friend was telling me that their friend's husband had been diagnosed but nobody that you knew personally or you know somebody who you might interact with that I certainly didn't know anyone who'd had COVID-19 and that certainly all changed over Christmas. I think from about 
Stevens' day on, I started hearing of people that I personally know uh, who were getting diagnosed with uh, COVID-19 and that's the way it seems to be for a lot of people. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. We've news at 12 midday on the way. I'll take a look at some of your calls and comments that will be coming in hot and heavy throughout the morning. Thank you for that. And we also are going to be talking about should something that the RSA want to do, start publishing and naming and shaming people who are disqualified for driving. Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW an update on something that I mentioned yesterday. Uh, somebody was wondering about the medical cert for a driving licence renewal for people over the age of 70 and wondering do they still need to get, the, do they still need to get that cert because obviously GPs are under a huge amount of pressure at the moment and when we had checked in with the RSA and the NDLS service, we, as we knew, as we mentioned before Christmas, up to the 31st of December, they had wavered over 70s needing to have a medical certificate but unfortunately that change on the 1st of January this year and it's still the same 
as of now. And give, but given the current COVID-19 level five circumstances, the RSA tell us they brought the matter to the attention of the Department of Transport. So whether that's something that's going to be discussed at the Cabinet meeting, which is ongoing uh, today. So hang on is what I would say to people. Let's wait and see what comes out of the Cabinet meeting today to see does the situation around that medical search for those over 70. But as of now, yes, if you're applying for a new driver's licence and you are over 70, you do need to have a medical certificate. But I don't know, with the doctors under so much pressure, I imagine some of the GP practices are just not doing it at the moment because they don't want people in coming into the actual surgery for to have any kind of an examination or to pick up forms, etc. So it might be possible that you're not physically able to get it from your GP. But that might change because, as I say, the RSA also worried with what's going on with COVID-19. So they may decide to extend that that waiver again and put it in place for another couple of months. So as, if that does happen, we certainly will bring that information to you. And Mary in Bishopstown uh, was out walking and she says the number of rented house, houses in her area with so many cars in the driveway, people are still visiting, people are calling in, there's evidence of house parties going on. She feels the off-licences need to be closed. The situation is getting too serious. John Amado's says we need to up our vaccine, the giving out of our vaccines. If the UK and other countries can get so far ahead of us when it comes to actually administering the vaccine, why can't we here in Ireland? I think a lot of the problems we have here in Ireland is the fact that we don't have enough of the supplies of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. And I know Tony Houlihan, the Chief Medical Officer, is even warning that Ireland may face a wait for the first delivery of the supplies of the Moderna, that's the other COVID-19 vaccine. We do know that just under a million, 880,000 doses of the Moderna vaccine are due to come here in the coming months but it's unclear how large the first shipment is going to be. Dr Houlihan says he doesn't expect the first delivery here to be as quick as the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine was. Supplies of that arrived from Belgium within days of the EU approval and the European Medicines Agency, they held an early meeting on Monday to discuss the Moderna vaccine against COVID-19 and many people are hoping that they will recommend approval of it today but Dr Tony Houlihan is saying that's all well and good they'll get the approval but he doesn't know when the first shipment is going to arrive and what size that first shipment will be. Now our, the Taoiseach Micheál Martin yesterday said around 75,000 people in long term care and a further 60,000 healthcare workers should have received their the two doses of their vaccine by the end of next month. That's the end of February. He said there were high levels of assurance from Pfizer to supply the vaccine that will be needed here for the next two uh, months. And that uh, certainly was uh, good news. Um, and there was further good news from Pfizer BioNTech yesterday because there was another deal reached with the European Commission to double the supply of the vaccine and obviously if we are getting our vaccine from Pfizer under that deal done with the European uh, Commission. So it would mean that more vaccines, certainly more of the Pfizer vaccines, will be available to Ireland and indeed to other member states. But for us here in Ireland, uh, we looks like we'll have more of that when that comes on stream. But it's the physical making of the Pfizer vaccine and getting it shipped. And it's the same with the Moderna one. And I know there is a sense of people saying, look, we waited so long for a vaccine. Why are we not seeing more and more people vaccinated? I mean, yesterday, 
probably saw it on the news, the first of the first patient in a nursing home received the COVID-19 vaccine. But that already was a day late. That should have happened on Monday. We were meant to have the first of our nursing homes residents being given the I think it was something to do with the forms that have to be filled in the consent forms or something so there was already a delay on that for us here in Cork nursing homes in Cork and Kerry we don't begin our vaccinations until next Monday but please God as soon as they get into the nursing homes the consent forms will all have been filled in and they'll get, they'll get through them as quickly as possible but it's it's down to the supply of the vaccines as soon as we get them they seem to be doing their best to try to get them out to as many people as possible. But yeah, I agree. Other countries seem to be more on top of it than we are here and seem to be distributing the vaccine quicker than we're here at the moment, uh, for sure. OK, some of your texts. Um, Pat says, morning, Patricia, what is wrong with, the, with those people in England and now in Scotland? First, we had England interfering with our country and now we have the Scottish interfering with our, with our waters. That's what happened at Rockall yesterday with Irish fishermen being told to pushed off by the Scottish. Would those people please ever and buzz off, I'll say, rather than what Pat has said, uh, and look after their own patches and leave us alone. We'll manage grand if we're left on our own, says uh, Pat. And then a listener uh, taking Sean Sherlock to task for praising Mallow Hospital on the programme uh, today. This listener says maybe Sean should get in contact with Mallow Hospital and ask them what are the numbers in relation to outstanding appointments on waiting lists to be completed. The reason I ask is I'm waiting for a procedure now for well over a year. This was after talking to the consultant over the phone. I was convinced it would have happened within weeks but I'm still waiting. Over two years ago my wife went into get assessed for a procedure and was assured that it would be done within weeks and yes guess what she's also still waiting I now accept we're struggling with COVID-19 but seriously uh, this needs to be looked into and that signed an angry and a disappointed loyal Sean voter and I don't know if you've been on to Sean Sherlock yourself but I would suggest getting on to his office and give him the details of what's going on that does seem to be your wife certainly waiting two years seems a very lengthy delay I don't know what the procedure is I don't know what the waiting lists uh, are like for what the what the particular procedures are but maybe if you get on to Sean's office he might be able to look into it for you and give you some kind of a timeline and yes you're right obviously all the hospitals now are struggling and a lot of procedures have been cancelled because of uh, COVID-19 Hi Patricia is the click and collect will it be stopped from today or tomorrow says John in Blackpool don't know John we've got to wait for the cabinet to make that announcement and then tell us when Will it come in for midnight tonight? It could. I don't know. Hi, Patricia. Will the NCTs be closed? I wonder. Don't know. Someone else, Ned in Anglesborough, says, Patricia, could you find out? I've got my NCT test booked for care on Friday. Will I be able to attend that? As of now, all of the NCT centres are open and are operating. Will that change when with the new restrictions that the government and the cabinet are going to announce? Nobody knows. It really is just a wait and see. We mentioned a curfew on the programme and somebody was saying that what they would like to see as part of the restrictions is to introduce some kind of a curfew maybe from eight in the evening until six in the morning that you would only be allowed out of your home for essential reasons. This listener says it's not just at night time that we're having problems so wonders would a curfew work at all. We live in a coastal area in West Cork and all over Christmas it was an absolute disgrace the amount of people who were around here and yes even when the five kilometre limit came in things did not change. These are complete strangers. These are people who are definitely outside of their five kilometre 
kilometre limit. It's disgraceful. Could the Gardaí not do anything about it? I also think cafes and coffee docks need to be closed down straight away because they're encouraging people uh, to come. They, many of them stayed open over Christmas and they're drawing people then from outside areas. It needs to stop. People need to stay at home and stop being so darn selfish. Thanking you, says a listener. John says, Patricia, I can't wait to see the off-licences closed. When will the government lay down the law? This country is the way it is from drinking bad governing. Micheál Martin should apologise to the people of Ireland or will he say it was just like the recession of 2008? And that is from John. And John, I wouldn't hold my breath on the off-licences being closed because during any of the previous lockdowns, even the most strict lockdown, at the start of the year, the off-licence didn't close and anything I'm hearing about what is possibly to be announced today, I haven't heard any mention of off-licences being closed or even their hours uh, curtailed. Martin in Formoy says, Patricia, bring in a curfew and bring it in fast. It is the only answer. Someone else is saying curfews have worked so well in other countries who have managed to curb their numbers why can't we introduce it here? And hi, Patricia. I'm listening in from County Waterford. I'm from Bantry originally. And I totally agree with you regarding leaving the Christmas tree and leaving the lights up till the end of January. And yes, January can be a very bleak month at the best of times. But leaving up our trees to the end of January, it'll certainly beat the January blues. Happy New Year to you and stay safe. And that's from Breed to Sullivan. Good to have you along, uh, Breed. And yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd love to. I don't know if I will leave my Christmas tree, tree up uh, or not I'd love to I absolutely love to I just don't know if the him the 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 other part of the equation i.e. hobby who's not a big Christmas present at all and actually made a joke over Christmas that if you stand still long enough I'll have him him lit with uh, fairy lights because I love twinkling lights etc so I don't know if I went home and said do you think we could leave the Christmas tree up until the end of January don't know what kind of a reception I will get. I know in our house we always leave the Christmas tree up. It's n- it never comes down before the 7th of January because the 7th of January is the Russian Orthodox Christmas and we always celebrate that with Marcia. She always gets, you know, Santa Claus always leaves behind one additional present that she gets just to celebrate her Russian roots. So it's always left up in my house for at least another day and then I wait and see what day the 7th of January lands on and then I leave it until the following weekend. So certainly I've no plans to take the Christmas tree down until this weekend for sure and I absolutely hate it coming down because the house just looks so dark and uh, bleak. And then hi Patricia I can't find on revenue.ie what I what I owe. Do you know what heading it's under? And actually somebody else was on about this as well saying Patricia I missed the bit when you were talking with Sean Sherlock about the money that people may owe the tax man. Did you say revenue will be writing to everybody next week telling them how much they owe as a result of the pandemic payment? Yes Yes, I did say that, that thousands will get uh, a COVID-19 tax bill and they'll start revenue. I'm led to believe we'll start issuing those from next week. But I had read in the papers that employees could find out how much they owe by accessing the revenues online service by going on to myaccount.ie. And we were sending people there and then we people saying, I've been on that and I can't find out. And then our own John Paul went on during news to see if he could find out what it was. So I said, look, to try to find out what's going on, let's get on to revenue. So we got on to revenue and they now tell us it will be next week before people are going to be able to check with myaccount.ie 
on Revenue's website. Employers are required to confirm their monthly December 2020 employer PAYE return and that must be done by employers on the 14th of January. And then they say from the 15th of January, so it'll be next week, Revenue will then make a preliminary end-of-year statement available in the My Account for all PAYE taxpayers. The preliminary end-of-year statement sets out a provisional tax position for the year based on information available on revenue records. For 2020, the provisional tax position will include any temporary wage subsidy scheme payments reported by the individual's employer and are the pandemic unemployment payment the PUP received from the Department of Social Protection. Okay, so that's the reason why they're still waiting for employers to let them know what was the last payment for the month of December. So that will be on the 14th. So the 15th, you'll be able to go to myaccount.ie and I'm assuming then it'll be after the 15th of January that Revenue will start to physically issue letters and send letters out to people letting them know if they have any outstanding tax liability. Remember, not everyone is going to have an outstanding tax liability, but there will be a lot of people the figure Sean has, they reckon about a quarter of a million. It's a lot of people, over about 220-odd thousand people, I think he said, will have some kind of liability that they will owe to revenue. But n- revenue have already publicly stated that they're not going to go after anybody. They're not going to ask people to pay it up fully. It can be spread out over the next four years. I mean, I imagine if people are in a position and want to pay it up, they would be able to do that as well. 1850 And we are going to be talking about the RSA and their what they would like to do with naming and shaming people who are put off the road disqualified for driving. And listen, Seth, I just wondered with the RSA um, and some people live in Ireland, if anyone is disqualified for reasons of drink driving and that their names should be published, I'm wondering how they're going to get around that and will they be allowed to do it? Well, that's, I think, is where they are at the moment. That's where they're trying to work out and sort out if it is possible uh, to do it. Uh, Sandy on this issue said, I just wonder, do the RSA and... If anyone is disqualified for driving, their names are published, or if the RSA are aware that their names are published in all of the local papers and in some cases in the national papers. Sometimes what, in my opinion, are libelous character headlines, which may not reflect a person's true personality and will give a one-sided version of an accident detail. For example, in my opinion, they should be banned. The RSA naming would just produce the name and address, uh, the ban details and the duration. So do I take a sorry, I'm a bit mixed up on your text there. I take it you are approving of what the RSA are doing it, but you're against that they're already the fact that they are published in papers. And Michael says, Patricia, hi. Today, hopefully, will be a day to celebrate all over the world. Why does Michael think we'll be celebrating today? Well, he's looking across the water to America. He says the world will be a much safer place with the predictions that the Democrats will take the two Senate seats in Georgia, which will give the Biden team control of the Senate, the House and the presidency. The world will be able to sleep more peacefully tonight, if that's the case. Please, God, thanking you. And that's Michael Inc. Castletown Bearer, 1850 333 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And can we wish the staff of Daily Industrial Supply Company, they're aiming to collectively walk, run, cycle, hike, and swim 120. 
I hope uh, 1,200 kilometres during the month of January. It's in an effort to raise money for the Cork Simon community and you can donate through their Just Giving page. And Focus Ireland are appealing for support for their Nullig Naman fundraising event. You're invited to purchase a ticket for afternoon tea at the Riverlee Hotel from the Focus Ireland office on the South Mall or through Eventbrite and then you can celebrate Women's Little Christmas anytime during 2021 when restrictions are lifted. And White Church GAA's annual Christmas draw that's going to be held on the 8th of January. You have three chances to win. The price of the tickets, €10. You can check out their Facebook page White Church GAA for further details. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCroomMotors.com just by the way on some breaking news the European Medicines Agency has just approved the Moderna uh, coronavirus vaccine so that certainly is a good news uh, story Uh, so the Moderna coronavirus now when will be available in this country that's another vaccine which will certainly up the supplies and actually somebody on the Moderna vaccine was making the point John and Clan says that there are 3 billion of the Moderna vaccine in storage. They were making the vaccine all of last summer when testing was ongoing. They were so convinced that it was going to get approval. So he says there will be plenty of vaccines when the Moderna one is rolled out and with the Medicines Board giving it now. Hopefully, similar to what happened with Pfizer, within days, the Moderna vaccine will arrive on our shores. 1850-333-103. Now to move to a completely different topic, the Road Safety Authority have confirmed that plans to name and shame motorists disqualified for driving will be progressed over the coming year. Noel Gibbons is with the is a road safety officer with Mayo County Council, and Noel joins me. Good morning to you, Noel. Uh, good morning. Uh, uh, you're welcome to the program. Now, the Road Safety Authority are still doing research to see if they would be able to publish the names. But is this something that you would be very much in favour of? Well, I think any uh, member of the general public would be in favour as as it would be seen to help reduce the number of fatalities and serious injuries on our roads. And I guess well, it's nothing uh, new. We are all familiar with local papers that would have sections in their, in their publications where they would have uh, covered the courts. And people who have been to the courts, their details would appear in this section. So the difference is that the RSA would be receiving the information from the court service after people would be dealt with in courts and their details would be uh, published on, on their website. And how long would they be left up on the website? I wouldn't have that information, but uh, uh, looking at what has happened in other jurisdictions, such as the UK and New Zealand, South Africa, Canada, these have all done similar uh, initiatives and they've uh, proven successful. It is seen as another mechanism to deter dangerous driving. Yeah, it would just purely on that, it just acts as a deterrent, the, the shame of having your name for all yes. to see. Yes, so uh, also what it also does is uh, makes people aware of who would have their licence taken off them for dangerous driving. So again, if you see Joe Bloggs driving down the road and you've already seen his name on the website that he shouldn't be driving, you realise this guy shouldn't be driving on the road because he has lost it for dangerous driving. And again, it wouldn't be minor offences that they would appear on the website for. These would be serious offences that uh, they would be put on their on the website. And, and would you like to see that? They would, would say why they were disqualified, if it was drink driving, drug driving, whatever it was. Yes, again, there would be different categories. Uh, in the UK, 
they would have put their names on before they would even have been uh, dealt with in the court just after they've been arrested for no offence. But what's happening here is after they're waiting for the the authorities such as the court service to dish out the punishment first of all and then the RCA would receive this information which, which then be published on their website. So again, it would be another mechanism to deal with uh, dangerous driving, drug driving, all these issues that are it's, unfortunately it's, yeah. lives on our roads. It seems like an absolute no-brainer. And what's the delay, I'm assuming? Is it, is it civil liberties and people's GDPR and you're breaching yes, somebody's privacy? Uh, is, that, is that what the issues are? That's my, my understanding of it. Uh, and again, as you said in the introduction, that this is, is, uh, hasn't been approved yet and there is research being carried out on the how effective it is and uh, it has been done in, by the University in Galway. So I believe that if by the end of March the results of that will be published. So then it will be decided whether this will progress with, the, with this name and shame. But as you said, uh, it is a kind of no-brainer that this would act as a deterrent to stop people driving on the roads which could claim you or one your families on, the, on our roads. Do we still have an issue with disqualified drivers not surrendering their driving licence? From publications in the media, it appears to be that uh, a lot of people still don't surrender their, their licence uh, after they, they lose them on, on, on in the courts. So it is an issue that has to be addressed as well. But um, again, getting back to this, for this name and shame, this would highlight it as well. If, if it was on the website, you would know exactly who would have lost their, their licence. Yeah, and I saw a piece yesterday when I, when I knew you were co- where you were coming on the the program. I, like I didn't realise how many people were disqualified, don't hand up their their license. I mean, there was figures published in twenty nineteen showing that less than one in ten had actually surrendered their their license. And disqualified motorists in January of twenty seventeen. Uh, found over 2,000 of them had been charged with driving while disqualified. That's, yeah. they, that is shocking. It, it's very frightening, so it is. Um, it, it, unfortunately, the, the majority of, of people out there using the roads adhere to the laws, but there is a minority that, uh, regardless what law is out there, what's deterrent is, they don't seem to adhere to it and they don't realise what danger they put themselves and other, and other uh, road users in. So the hours they are reaching out to use every tactic they can and every avenue they can to highlight the dangers and educate these people. So it makes the road safer for all road users. Yeah, Michael says bring this in sooner rather than later. This is exactly what we need. I know of somebody who was disqualified for uh, driving and he drove continuously almost on a daily basis. He never surrendered uh, his licence. And someone else says it's cock and bull saying that as a data protection issue, don't revenue publish list of tax defaulters and, and revenue do. And the Food Safety Authority, they also publish their list, don't they, when a food outlet is closed? They do, they do indeed. And and I suppose they, they, some of those aren't as life-threatening behaviours as, as it is uh, getting behind a wheel after you've been dis- disqualified for drug driving or, or uh, drink driving. So it is a, a very important aspect that we do use whatever mechanism we have to get people to change their ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And figures for last year, Noel, were we up and down? Were we, where were we with the... Yes, unfortunately, we were up in the, on the previous year, and it's, it's a surprise, really, considering the fact of with lockdown. But unfortunately, what happens when the roads are quieter, people think that it's safer to put the foot down and, and to speed. So speed is a huge uh, killer 
on the road. And we're just asking, especially in the current climate, which frosty roads and icy roads, that uh, even if roads are gritted, they're not guaranteed ice-free. And not all roads are gritted. Just, and, and again, each local authority has a winter maintenance plan where the public can view it and see which roads are gritted and which aren't. And we appeal for people to allow extra time on the journey, extra time in the morning to defrost the cars. So um, we want to keep our A&Es free for the, to deal with the current uh, COVID issues and not be taken up with uh, road collisions. Yeah, and, you know, we know there's tougher restrictions coming in uh, later today. Surely that the knock-on effect will be less traffic on our roads. Yes, less traffic, but we had less tra- <coughs> traffic here in the year as well. But unfortunately, we've seen an increase in, in road deaths. Um, people are distracted with current uh, issues going on. People's minds are, aren't focused on, 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 on their task driving. So again, we're asking people are, when they get behind the wheel, that they themselves too are fit to drive. They aren't distracted in any way. And to adhere to the speed limits and drive to the conditions. Okay, and somebody says, could you ask your expert? Uh, our, our expert is uh, Noel Gibbons, who's a road safety officer with Mayor or County Council. Do we still have a problem with provisional drivers, people on a provisional driving license, driving without a licensed, a fully licensed holder with them? Is that still yeah. an issue, Noel? It's still, it's still is, uh, an ongoing issue. Uh, and uh, again, the Gardaí can only be in a certain amount of places. So again, we appeal to their, uh, their guardians, their parents and um, their guardians to make sure that who is getting behind the wheel of their care or, or, or the care of, of whoever is in the house to make sure that they're full, full licence holder, that they are in provisional licence holders. So you can only uh, gain experience by, um, by driving. So what you need a, a, a qualified driving driver beside you if you're, if you're a holder of a provisional licence. Yeah, and I know people will say, oh, there's, I can't get a driving test and there's delays with driving tests, etc. But, you know, it's that particular ruling was put in place to keep people safe. You need you need the experience of having an experienced driver in the car with you. Yes, and also uh, another, another challenge at the moment is, as we've spoken, with lockdown, a lot more people, more, more people are walking and cycling on our roads. So we're just asking people to share the roads with other road users be aware that a lot more people are taking part in the operation transformation where people will be following the programme, going into the, the routine of exercises. Those people, asking them that they too are make sure that they're, they're well lit up, well visible to other road users when they are out roads and use, using the roads. So we can all play a part in uh, road safety and it's not about pointing the finger of any one person, but if we can change our own behaviours, it makes a big difference to the overall uh, death toll on our roads. Okay, that's a, that's a really good positive point to end on. Noel, listen, we'll leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you and thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, bye-bye. Noel Gibbons there, who was Road Safety Officer with the Mayo, uh, County, Council, uh, Mayo County Council. Uh, Pat in Domanway says, uh, Patricia, this name and shame campaign is a new low from someone who has nothing better to do with themselves. The law is the law. Rubbing people's nose in, is, in it is of no help to anyone, says uh, Pat. While listening to Noel, They've introduced it in other countries and it does act as a deterrent. People might stop and think about drinking and driving or drug driving if they think that if they were caught outside of getting caught and being disqualified, but suddenly their name, it would be out there in 
for all to see that they had been caught drinking and driving. I think the shame of that alone might actually act as a deterrent and that's where Noel is coming from even if one life is saved by it. Um, I think I would I would go with that one life being uh, saved. Thanks for your text, uh, Pat. A couple of other texts in. Margaret uh, says, uh, or oh, somebody else says, I live six kilometres from my nearest gro- grocery shop. Um, how the hell would, it, would a two kilometre limit suit me? Well, I, they, I saw... Mihal Martin say yesterday that they won't go from the five kilometre back to the two kilometre that they're going to leave it at five. But even allowing that it's at five kilometres and your nearest grocery shop is six kilometres, you can go outside of any of those limits that they introduce for essential reasons. Going to the grocery shop to buy your food is an essential reason so you would be allowed uh, to do that. Uh, Margaret says I'm not surprised that the virus is spreading. People are walking past the sanitising hand sanitising station in my local supermarket picking up their trolleys and baskets without cleaning them. I and I'm surprised and to say it's mostly women are doing it says uh, Margaret. Well I, is the complacency is setting in? I know I've I've no I've certainly anywhere I've been shopping everywhere I go I see people constantly hand sanitising, cleaning the trolley, cleaning the basket. So I can't say that I've seen a lot of that, Margaret. But obviously where you are, you are seeing it. And I'm wondering, is it complacency? Now, I have seen people, and it's something I have certainly have done. You know, when you leave the supermarket, some of the supermarkets, some of the shops don't have a hand sanitising station when you come out. Or if you have a lot of things in your hand and you can't hand sanitise at the station... I always have a little bottle in my car and I always make sure that I hand sanitise as soon as I put everything back into the car I always hand sanitise my hands so is it possible that somebody's hand sanitised before they went in but on the cleaning of the trolleys and the baskets uh, maybe people need to need to start looking out for that and watching for that and in fairness to the supermarkets they have put the facilities in place to allow us all to do that there's you know there's no supermarket when you go in but that they don't have hand sanitizer or spray for you to put on your trolley and, and your basket so it's up to all of us as individuals then to use it now here's an interesting one from a listener to say my daughter a nurse is travelling back to London to clean out her apartment to take up nursing here. She's one of our nurses coming home and God knows don't we need those nurses. She'll be returning on Monday but she's now discovered that she can't get a test done at short notice. Her flights and her luggage is all paid for costing her €300. Will she not be able to get back on Monday? She is uh, an essential worker. Ooh, uh, okay. We'll wait. We know we're waiting for the government to announce that it is going to be you won't be able to get on a flight unless you have a COVID test with a negative result. Now, she's in in an interesting situation because she's obviously... She's now. I, I take it she's over in London at the moment sorting out her apartment. I know you can get tested at the airport. I would suggest what she needs to do is, is contact... Um, is it Aer Lingus she's flying with? I would contact whoever she's flying with, explain the situation she's in, that she can't get a test done at short notice. I'm surprised here in London she can't get a test done at short notice, but maybe maybe they're just so busy. All the private testers in, in London are also busy. And see, could she get it done? Because certainly at Cork Airport, she could get tested on arrival. See, would they take that? I, and I, but I don't know if they will. I would suggest getting on to wait for the announcement to be made today and then get on to whoever she's flying with and take advice from them. Failing that, send an email to somebody like the Department of Foreign Affairs and see if they can they can help her out. Because definitely if she's a nurse returning as an essential worker and God knows we need every single nurse 
we can get our hands on. I'm sure that they will come up with some some kind of a solution for her. But she just needs to alert the airline first and then failing that get on to the Department of Foreign Foreign Affairs. And maybe the hospital that she's going to work with, they may be able to help her, her nurses union. Tell her to reach out. Don't just simply turn up at the airport without a COVID test to discover she can't get on the plane. She has a couple of days to play around with and hopefully get something sorted out. Let us know, please, as well, how, how she gets on. And I, Patricia, could you let your listeners know, please, that the Aragon GAA, they will hold their weekly lotto in an online format. That's to comply with all of the latest COVID-19 restrictions. Wishing our members and supporters every good wish for the new year. And that's from John Ahern, who is the PRO of Aragon GAA, moving online with their weekly lotto. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. Court today on C103. With McCroom Motors. Leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See McCrewmotors.com. Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story, and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. On C103. And some of your calls coming in. This is on flights coming into this country. Marie says, where I am living in West Cork, a house nearby me was empty for a good while. It's a holiday home. Um, And the person living there wasn't there over Christmas. Suddenly yesterday the person has appeared. They've arrived home now to their holiday home and they're walking the roads today. Guess what? That person flew in from America. Patricia, you're telling us all to stay at home. How unfair is it that we are being restricted and doing our bit while people are flying in and out of the country? They need to sort the the ports, uh, both air and sea ports, uh, fast. Well, hopefully whoever that person is they're restricting their movements. I mean, technically restricting their movements, they shouldn't be. Or they were there. You are allowed out for exercise. Hopefully they're keeping well clear of other people. Marie, that's my would be my suggestion to you is give that person a wide berth. If you come across them on the road, move to the other side of the road. And by the way, we did an Insta poll. Would you leave your Christmas decorations and lights up for Jan- January? No, it was just a small sample of an Insta poll. Uh, 10% said yes, 90% said no way, taking them all down. I think a lot of people see it as they, they, they just want them gone and they've been up too long, etc. But for some people, they still like the idea of the Christmas tree and the lights all being left up. On naming and shaming disqualified drivers, which is what the Road Safety Authority would like to do, and they're working on seeing is it something that they will be able to do. Christopher in your uh, agrees with naming and shaming drivers that are disqualified um, he would go so far as to keep them off the roads forever it'll keep other drivers and walkers safe which is the reason why the road is safe for the authority it's not rubbing salt in the wound of anyone who's disqualified they just want to try and keep our roads safer for everybody James said I know of people that are still driving who are off the road and who were disqualified the prosecuting guardy should take the licence from them the day they are in court uh, these people continue to drive I, you know James I think you have a point there I think when anybody turns up in court for something like that they should be made to bring their licence with them I think what's happening is that when they're disqualified they're saying oh I haven't got my licence uh, w- with me or whatever and then they, I think they've got to post it back or something or hand it in and there seems to be no follow up maybe we need to follow up on the people who are disqualified and make sure even if it means the guardie calling to their door to make sure that they hand up their licence Colvin in Botswana said there's no need for extra legislation legislation. We need a court system um, and reporters report 
who's been disqualified in all of the local papers. So why do we need a list on a website as well? Those people driving without a licence are simply shameless. They're doing it in front of all of us all of the time. We can see it and people know it. So why do we need new legislation when it must be already there as you can read about in the local papers and many know anyway in local communities who has been disqualified. Well I don't think the RSA are looking for legislation. They just want to make sure under data protection that it's okay for them to publish the list of names. That's what the delay is. It's like some of the civil liberty groups are coming out saying that it's a breach of somebody's privacy to put it up on a website. So that's what the RSA, that's why this research is going on on behalf of the RSA. And they're citing examples like revenue commissioners. They publish a detailed list of everybody who's caught a tax defaulter and the Road Safety Authority, if there's a closure of a business, they're able to put that up on their website. That's what the RSA want to do. They want to be able to, on their own website, put up a detailed list county by county of people who are uh, disqualified. Uh, Billy Abandon thinks it's a waste of time because the names are already published in the press. So why do it? If the government are serious on road safety, they would have extra guard the cars, cars in every county with the data and know if a guy is off the road. And also they could check to see if they are taxed and insured. 1850-333-103 on hand sanitising in stores and shops. Tom and Fomoy said the majority of people do sanitise but the problem I see at the trolley bay is at one end of the supermarket and the hand sanitizers at the other end so maybe they should have a hand sanitising station and a cleaning area where the actual trolleys are and Kieran in Mitchellstown says I don't use sanitizers in the shop because you have to touch the button in order to sanitise your hands how many other people have touched the same button they should have automatic dispensers I and my girlfriend were in a store in Mahan Point recently where they had automatic sanitizer so well done to them that's the way to go I would never use the ones where you have to press your hand down there's some stores I was in Dunn's I was in Dunn's certainly had the automatic ones uh, as well and actually Mike the chemist that I use they have one that you press with your foot which I think is great and then it just you you press it press down with your foot put your hand underneath it and it dispenses it that way and actually I was in my chemist yesterday I was picking up a, a prescription and the pharmacist came out and asked me just to give a mention on the radio about this that's something that they They've noticed inside in their pharmacy, and I'm assuming that this is happening in all uh, chemist shops. They're having people coming into the pharmacy saying, "Oh, I've uh, a cough and a bit of a sore throat. Is there something that you could give me? I can't, you know, I can't sleep at night with this cough." And the pharmacist said, "You know, immediately we say to them, have you contacted your GP?'" And the answer inevitably is, "Oh, no, no, it's not COVID. It's just a cough that I have." And she's just making the point that they. If you've got any kind of a cough or any kind of a symptoms, symptoms of cold or flu or whatever, the advice is you need to contact your GP. Now, you might not have COVID, but you need to have the chat with your GP first. And it's unfair to go into pharmacies coughing and spluttering with you yourself diagnosing that you don't have COVID. You won't know whether you have COVID or not unless you get the test done. So if you're displaying any signs or symptoms like that, please don't be going into chemists and, and pharmacies because it's not fair on them as well. It's not fair on the other people who are in the shop because it could be with COVID at the moment being so rampant in all areas 
they don't know and you certainly don't know whether you have it or not so please be very careful and mindful of that we had an insta poll should a curfew be introduced 67% said yes 33% said no that's where we leave you talk to you tomorrow at 10 Court today on C103 with McCroom Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see McCroomMotors.com so, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then, get the must-have app so you can take us everywhere. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, ask it to play C103. Play C103. OK. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. Turn up the volume. We are C103. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.